Haryom. Today I am going to speak on uh, chapter 8 of Bhagavad Gita. If you remember up till chapter 6, the subject was all about gaining the wisdom of Atma, the self-realization, knowing yourself, who you are really. And after that, in 7th chapter, the focus of Sri Krishna has shifted to the person who is enlightened and wise. And then this person who has realized himself to the true essence of his existence, when he starts looking around, how does the cosmos look to him? How does he look at this tree? How does he look at this animal? How does he look at these objects of desire? How does he look at this sun? And I explained the paraprakriti, the finer aspect of every object, the energy aspect of every object. Now the same subject moves further in eighth, eighth chapter to the life of universe, the cosmos. And Sri Krishna talks about where does this cosmo, cosmos comes into existence from. He also talks about this movement, the motion, the direction of this cosmic life. And then he is identifying the individual life in relation to this cosmic life. And towards the end of this chapter 8, Sri Krishna has discussed about death. We are all little scared and worried when we talk about death. It scares us. But as already explained in chapter 2 by Sri Krishna, that, that is, death is not an end. It's not an end. It's just a milestone. And the life is a continuous life. So that same theme you will see here in chapter 8. The first part of chapter 8, Arjuna is asking Sri Krishna, what is Brahma? What is this Parabrahma that you are talking about? That cosmic consciousness, that cosmic being, that cosmic reality. What is it? So Sri Krishna is telling him that it is an unchanging principle. It doesn't change. It's there. It's just the same. It's imperishable. There is no death to that principle. Akshara. He has used another word. Akshara. Akshara is the one that has no end to it. In this Akshara Brahma, Akshara Parabrahma, there is wisdom. And that wisdom has created laws. That's what we call as laws of nature. For example, gravity. Gravity is a law that no one can defy. No object can defy that law. That's the law of Parabrahma. The law of growth. Something that's born grows. Something that grows changes its form. Human being born from one cell starts the journey from one cell grows into a human being and then changes the form. So these are all the laws that connect with this Parabrahma and you look around in the nature and everywhere you can see this perfection because of the laws that bind this. The physics, the scientists talk about basic forces in nature that no one can escape. 
Nuclear forces are there, electromagnetic forces are there, gravitational force is there. You cannot defy this. So he takes it further and Shri Krishna is explaining the nature of this Parabrahma now. If you understand the word Brahma, Brahma comes from a Sanskrit word, word Bruhat. Bruhat is expanding. So he says Parabrahma is the force, is that consciousness, is that reality that's ever expanding. And look at the latest findings of science. Stephen Hawking's proposed this theory of expansion of universe at a constant rate. The space that we experience around is expanding. The galaxies are moving away from each other. And this is there in the word Brahma itself, the one that is expanding. And that expanded universe is so vast today. The rate of expansion of universe is so high that Einstein calculated a ray of light when it starts its journey from one end, it will never make to the other end because the universe is so infinite. But this universe that is infinite, there is some medium that has filled this entire universe. Einstein called it ether. If you go to the quantum physics level, particle physics, they found out the God particle, that is Higgs boson. That Higgs boson is the smallest particle and that has made this entire medium. Now this Higgs boson has a life. It doesn't live infinite. It comes from nowhere. Pay attention. Quantum physics. Comes from nowhere. And die. What is a lifetime? 10 raised to minus 28 or minus 32 second. 32 means 1 and 32 zeros after that. But minus 32. That is 1 divided by this. Such a, such a, such a small tiny amount of time that this particle lives. And that was one of the biggest problems, challenges for the scientists to actually find the evidence of the existence of this particle. It's born, it's die, but it's born, it's born and it die again. If you see the ocean, the ocean, there are waves, the waves are born and they die. In the ocean, there are currents, they are born from nowhere. And they're going in some direction. Sometimes these currents change the direction. Sometimes the hot currents change the direction. Cold currents change the direction. You probably have heard of El Nino. And this El Nino is causing a lot of changes in the weather patterns. Whether it's India or whether it's Australia. El Nino has influence on the rain that we have. But we really don't know from where these currents are formed. They are formed in that body of ocean. So if you understand this Paramatma as an ocean, cosmic ocean, the wave that is created, that wave is say my life. I am born from nowhere like a wave and that wave is going to die. So I am going to die like that. 
So where, where am I? I am born in that medium and I die in that medium because that I is just a temporary identity of that wave or that current. So this Paramatma, if you look at this nature of this Paramatma, that ocean, there is inherent energy to create new. When something is created, there is inherent energy to maintain that. And then there is inherent energy which transforms or destroys that form. In our body also, if you look at it, in our every cell, our cells are capable enough to procreate, create new cells. Our cell that is created is capable to maintain itself. And when the time comes, the cell is able to destroy itself or transform itself. So the energy that Parabrahma has threefold energies. The creative energy, the operative energy and the destructive energy. God, generation, operation, destruction energy. If you look at this energy in the cosmos, look the stars, galaxies are formed. And at certain time, they die again. The big stars are born out of the gas clouds and then when they complete their lifetime, they die and form into black holes. But what happens to black hole? Scientists are finding out. The yogic texts have claimed that black hole, they have equated black hole with the goddess Kali, the black dark goddess who is thirsty of blood, who is drinking that blood and who is dancing on Shiva. Look at these two forms, two qualities of this Kali. She is drinking blood, that is creation. It's a symbolic form. She is drinking creation, that is destroying her own creation. It's intense gravity. So nothing can stand because the creation is destroyed. And she is dancing on Shiva. Shiva is called Mahankal. Mahankal is great time. The time also does not exist. So if you see black hole, black hole destroys the creation. It eats out all the stars and planets, everything that comes on its way. And the time is non-existent in black hole. So this is an interesting comparison of what science is saying and what yoga is saying. But yoga says that Kali, the goddess Kali, is the starting point of the new creation. So we never know what these black holes may give rise to. But anyway, in the verse number 18, which is very interesting verse in Bhagavad Gita chapter 8, Sri Krishna is saying, this manifested cosmos or universe that we all see actually has come from the Parabrahma. So the Parabrahma, the Brahma has manifested this universe into a visible form. Something that we can understand through our sensory organs, manifest form. And then after some time, this same 
cosmos or universe that we see as manifest is going to become unmanifest. So they have said that Brahma's one day and Brahma's one night and this day and night cycle keeps going on and on and on and on and on. Now what is this Brahma's one day? Brahma's the day, Brahma's day is when this cosmos is manifest and how big it is. In yogic system, there are four yugas. One yug com contains 1.7 million years, say million years, few million years. So, like this, there are four yugas. Kruta, Treta, Dwapara and Kali. These are the four yugas. Every yug is, has million years, few million years. So, when you combine these four together, it's called Mahayug. So, now 1000 Mahayug makes one day of Brahma. That is a manifest time of the cosmos. And what happens after that? After that, the same manifest cosmos goes into unmanifest state. So, the birth of the cosmos, Big Bang, and then end of the cosmos, Big Crunch, but it's happening again and again. That's what the verse number 18 is saying. It's, it's a matter of time before science finds something like this. There are a few theories which propose Big Crunch with Big Bang. But anyway, these are the similarities that you can find it with the yoga philosophy. Parabrahma is, I just explained. Then there is another word that is explained in this chapter 8 and that is Adhyatma. Adhyatma is many times understood to be spirituality. But here Sri Krishna has given a very beautiful expanded idea of this Adhyatma. Adhyatma means the true pure nature of the object. And this true pure nature of the object means Parabrahma. The object is made of Parabrahma. So the true nature of Parabrahma, how it is? The Vedas have proclaimed that the Parabrahma is Pradnyanagana. There is wisdom in it. And we can see it. The laws that we see around, the creation that we see around has a lot of intelligence in it. Take yourself. In your body, there's one DNA and that one DNA, one genome has all the intelligence of your generations, of the whole of your functioning of the body. What's going to happen in future to you? What diseases you will develop in future? What psychological problems you may develop? What physiological problems you may develop? What likes and dislikes? What skills you may have? It's there. And it's just not your body and your gene, but everywhere you look and every object has the same level of intelligence in it. Because intelligence, this wisdom, is the first quality of Parabrahma. First aspect of Adhyatma. Vedas have also said, Ekoham Bahusyam. I am one and I want to become many. This is a desire in Parabrahma, in that cosmic consciousness and that desire has led to this Wonderful diversity that you see around. It's just not on earth. Diversity is not just on earth, not just in animal planet, animal kingdom or just plants or just not in human beings. The diversity exists even in the cosmos. Different shapes of galaxies, different 
shapes of suns, different stars, different ways the movements take place. It's very interesting how this diversity has created this universe. And that diversity has come from a desire. And that desire has led to an cosmic action. And that cosmic action has a force behind it, energy behind it. So, this Parabrahma, there is wisdom, there is action, and there is energy. Wisdom, that is head, intellect. Action, that is your hands. And energy, that is your heart. So this Parabrahma, its true nature is Jnana, wisdom. Action, Kriya. And Shakti, Bala, energy. The next word that Sri Krishna has explained in chapter 8 is how this action works. So, he has explained the word karma, which is a very important word for Bhagavad Gita. And in, in fact, just not Bhagavad Gita, these days everywhere people are using the word karma. If you are a yoga teacher or if you, even if you are not a yoga teacher, most of the people in the world, even if you don't speak Sanskrit or Hindi or Indian language, you still understand what is karma. So, he has explained this word karma and it's a very logical explanation. He's saying that this Paramatma, when he is creating this manifest world and especially in this manifested world, the Bhuta Matra, Bhuta Matra is the living beings. When these living beings are created, that action of creation is called karma. And it's, an, it's not just once, it's sequential. It goes step by step. First, aham, I, that Paramatma, ekoham bahusyam, I am one, I want to become many. That I gave rise to intellect, wisdom. That gave rise to mana, a thought. That gave rise to akash. Akash is space. The space gave rise to vayu, the medium, the air. That gave rise to teja, the Agni, the fire. Fire gave rise to Apa, water. And water made Prutvi, the earth. So this is a sequential expression of Paramatma creating the living beings. And this is called Karma. Then another word is explained here is Adibhuta. Adibhuta is the material, material world that we talk about, the Jadasrushti, the, the, the living beings themselves are called Adibhuta. Then next word is Adidaivata. Adidaivata word is used for Atma, for that dimension of Paramatma that is in us or Sankhya has used the word as Purusha or the in Tantra the word used is Shiva, the consciousness. So, from the cosmos, what I am made up of, this is the journey that is explained in this chapter 8. Then another word that is explained here is Adhi Yadnya. This Adhi Yadnya is a very interesting word. Yadnya we saw, Yadnya is a concept of uh, 
selfless action without any fruits, attachment to the fruit and done as a dharma. So this Adhi Yadnya is the Paramatma himself or herself residing in you. So that Atma is nothing but Adhi Yadnya. What is this Adhi Yadnya? It's a one object leading to another object. That another object creating another object. You have to dissolve something to create something new. And it's a continuous process. You eat food, that food is transformed into energy. That energy is transformed into, say, different forms in your body. So the food gets converted to blood, blood gets converted to your muscles, muscles get converted to fats and other tissues. Then that gets converted to bones, that get converted to nerves and so on and so forth. So every object has to destroy itself to give rise to a new creation. And if you look around in the cosmos, the same thing is happening everywhere. Nothing is constant. Nothing is same. Every object is being used to create something new. If you look at this law of conservation of energy in physics, saying the same thing. Energy can neither be created nor be destroyed. It can change form from one form to another form. This is exactly what yajna means. The form is just changing. Later on, the Einstein added the theory of relativity, finding that E is equal to mc square. And he said that energy is directly proportional to mass. So there is a interconvertibility between energy and mass. So now this law of conservation of energy can be again understood. That is mass and energy, they just interconvert from one form to another form. But as a whole, they remain same. So, as such, yajna is just a process of transformation and it's a circular motion. So, nothing is escaping. And this is exactly how we should understand the cosmic life and our life. Now, if you look at this, all this word, adhi yajna, adhi daivar, adhi bhuta, it gives you a very big picture who you are. Where do you come from? What your cells are about? What your mind is about? What your intellect is about? What is this wisdom inside you is about? And what is the, this connection of all of these things inside you with the outside reality? And now this understanding is something that will tell us to look at different objects in a different way. When I look at chocolate, I see it's going to fulfill my desires. But when I understand all this philosophy, I realize it's nothing but the another object created by the Paramatma. It has the same atoms, has the same energy function in it. So, there's no really big discrimination. Oh, this is good and that is bad. If you keep continuously thinking about these forms and look around, you can certainly control your karma and krodha. You can certainly control your ego, certainly get rid of that ego. That will lead to no fear, that will lead to no worries, no anxiety dimension. And this 
will allow your mind and your intellect to change how you look at things. Take the example of Buddha. He was depressed in his life as a king, as a prince, because he saw this death, he saw this sickness, he saw this old age and that made him depressed. But then he became Buddha. He, many, he did many meditation practices, he followed many austerities, very tough life he lived in forest. Then he became a wise man and then he came back to society. How was his perception of the society? It changed. He did see many old people after that, that did not depress him. He did see many deaths after that, that did not depress him, that did not create this fear, that did not create this negative expression. People know that when Buddha was alive, he was in society, he was a very sensitive man, but without any attachment. He moved from one place to another place continuously. There was no reason for attachment, but that does not mean that he was not sensitive. He was very sensitive. His energy influenced people in a very positive way. Why? Because his perception of looking at every object and every person and everything in the mother nature had undergone a tremendous transformation. And that transformation is based on these ideas. That's exactly what Sri Krishna is saying. The next subject of chapter 8 is very interesting. Sri Krishna is talking about time of death. Now you will say, what is it? Cosmic life and suddenly talking about time of death? There is a reason that he is talking about the state of your mind when you are dying. Because when a person die, whatever he is loved in his life, whatever he is God in his life or whatever he's missed in his life. The most close subject to his heart is what comes to his mind at the time of death. All his intense attachments influence his mind at that time. And Sri Krishna is saying that this time is very, very critical. To make this time positive, because generally, Everyone die and every one of us, we fear death. The people who die, they also cry. No one wants to die. Except a yogi. A very uh, beautiful verse is there by another great sage. His name was Kabir, Santa Kabir. And he says, Kabira jabaham paida huwe, jagahase ham roe. Aisi karani karachalo, Again, Kabira has talked about the same idea of death. And he has actually summarized what Sri Krishna is saying in this thinking of death and death timing. So, Kabira says that when you are born, the baby when is born, it's crying. And when the baby is crying, still everyone around is smiling. They are happy that the baby is born. Baby is crying. Everyone is happy. You are smiling. He says your karmas should be such all through your life that when the time of death comes, you are smiling and the rest everyone around you is crying. 
summarizes. Everyone is crying. Means they are going to miss you. It means you have touched their heart. Touching the heart is only possible with purity of your karmas. Non-attached, selfless karmas done with unconditional love. That only makes someone cry. And you are smiling. That shows you have non-attachment. You know you are going to leave everything back. That's non-attachment. When a baby is born, it comes without anything. You live at the time of death, you live without anything. And this is exactly, is a very important discussion of last section of chapter 8. So, Sri Krishna is saying that when you die, Agni should be there. Agni is fire. But fire is a symbol of yajna. So, Sri Krishna is saying when you die, you should die while doing your karma yoga. It's a good sign. We had a president. His name was Dr. A.P.J. Abdul Kalam. He was a teacher. He was a scientist. He was one of the highest uh, respected scientists in India. He was also called Missile Man. He is credited with all these great uh, missile uh, development achievements of Indian space, uh, Indian uh, uh, organization called DRDO. He was very well studied man with Bhagavad Gita. Interesting thing, he said that he wanted to die while he is teaching. This was his wish. And exactly that's what happened. He died while he was teaching. He was conducting a session. This is exactly what Sri Krishna says that select a time of death like when you are doing your karma yoga. The second thing he says, Surya, the sun. Sun is a symbolic of intelligence. Gayatri mantra, the mantra of intelligence. It means when you die, your intellect should not go down. The intelligence should go up. The wisdom is Increasing. The moon, Chandra also is talked about the time of death. You should have these energies in positive form. That's what Sri Krishna has said. The Agni should be in positive form. The Surya, the sun, in a positive way. The Chandra, moon, in a positive way. What is moon? Moon is a representation of mind and emotions. So your mind should have positivity. Your emotions should be positive. When we die, we are scared. When we are going to die, we are sad. But if the, ma- if the Chandra, the moon is positive, everything is opposite. You are happy. You have unconditional love. You have non-attachment. You have peace. You have contentment. So, Sri Krishna has connected the whole of your life efforts, karmas, to your death time. The life, if it is lived as a karma yoga, then the timing of the death, you can be so positive. And then Sri Krishna says one more last interesting subject, and that subject is about 
ओम एंड श्री कृष्ण डिस्क्राइज ओम एज एकाक्षर ब्रह्म एंड ही सेज द योगी हु अंडरस्टैंड द परमात्मा हु अंडरस्टैंड कर्मयोगा प्रिंसिपल्स हुव लिव्ड हिज लाइफ विथ कर्मयोग हाउ डज इट आई सेज ही सिट्स इन अ मेडिटेटिव पोज brings uh, controls all the nine doors of his body i told you the doors the two eyes two ears two nostrils one mouth urinary and excretory organs restrain restraining all of that focusing the mind in the heart bringing the mind in the heart the prana in your head and chanting om because om is ekakshara brahma om is one लेटर परब्रह्म सो श्री कृष्ण हैज गिवन दिस डिस्क्रिप्शन बाय डूइंग दिस द योगी लीव्स हिज बॉडी एंड इफ ही लीव्स हिज बॉडी देन ही नेवर कम बैक्स कम्स बैक टू दिस मैनिफेस्टेड वर्ल्ड ही गोज टू द अनमैनिफेस्ट डायमेंशन ऑफ द वर्ल्ड वी आर टाइम एंड स्पेस डोंट एग्जिस्ट इफ यू सी दिस डिस्क्रिप्शन ऑफ समाधि इट्स वेरी सिमिलर to time and space non existent and this is parmatma pada the highest state that consciousness can reach and that goes to akshara parabrahma the cosmic dimension so this is about chapter 8 and i'm going to stop here